0: Thanks, i you bought it at Versace in the form. Oh yeah, Versace. I love Versace. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Shh, it's the milk flavors. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, it's Versace. <laughs> you mean Robert? Uh, yeah. Robert? 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 <laughs> Robert? Ra- <laughs> And we're the Film Flamers, and we're continuing our Paul Verhoeven adventure with
1: Showgirls. We know you're all very, very excited. Yeah. So, Showgirls is a 1995 erotic drama film directed by Paul Verhoeven, of course, and written by Joe Esterhaus. It stars Elizabeth Berkley, Kyle MacLachlan, and the two Ginas, Gershon and Marvera. The film centers on a street-smart drifter who ventures into Las Vegas and climbs the seedy hierarchy from stripper to showgirl.
0: The film was a second collaboration between Verhoeven and Esther Haas after their success with Basic Instinct. Featuring nudity and erotic sexuality throughout, some graphic language, and sexual violence, Showgirls was the first NC-17 film to receive a wide release in North America, with distributor United Artists sending hundreds of staffers to theaters showing the film to enforce the age restrictions. Hmm. Okay, listeners. No one makes
1: our tits pop like you do. This is Showgirls.
2: There's a spot open in the chorus line. We're auditioning tomorrow morning. I think you should try out. I got an audition! Okay, ladies, I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. From the creators of Basic Instinct, The Last Time. They took you to the edge. This time, they're taking you all the way. We take the cash, we cash the check, we show them what they wanna see. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. She's going down to the stardust. She's gonna be in the show. Right? If someone gets in your way, step on them. It's not fair. It's not about fair, it's about power. You're a stripper, don't you get it? I'm a dancer. She's dazzling. She's exciting. And she's what Las Vegas is all about. The passion is real. Fall in love with you. The desire is intense.
1: You can't touch me, but I can touch you. I'd really love to touch you.
2: And the show is about to begin. Showgirls. Leave your inhibitions. At the door.
0: Once upon a time, a young drifter, Jesse Spano, a uh, Eileen Warnos, a uh, Nomi Malone, <laughs> played by Elizabeth Berkley, sets off for Vegas, where she is sure her talent of waving her knife-wielding jazz hands in front of her face will make her a star. Having no transportation of her own, she hitchhikes with a driver who eventually robs her. Now, with no transportation or belongings, she meets Molly, played by Gina Rivera, who somehow befriends her despite Nomi's penchant for throwing french fries around at dinner. Molly is the costume designer for the topless stars of the show, Goddess, at the Stardust Casino. Molly convinces Nomi to come backstage with her during one of the performances to meet Crystal Connors, played by Gina Gershon, Goddess's most famous breasts. Clearly enamored... Nomi tells Crystal that she, too, is a dancer at the world-famous Cheetah Lounge. When Crystal insinuates that working there makes her a whore, Nomi, in a typical Nomi fashion, storms off at a huff, until Molly again calms her down with suggestive dancing at a nightclub. Nomi, though, in typical Nomi fashion, gets arrested after causing a fight between some rando and a club's bouncer, James, played by Glenn Plummer. James eventually bails her out and gives a quarter for his trouble. Back at the Cheetah... Nomi accepts $500 for a lap dance with Zach, played by Kyle McLaughlin, the Stardust Entertainment Director. She grinds her way to a successful climax while Crystal watches. Also watching is James, who feels a little inspiration in his pants and comes up with a brilliant cabaret dance act for Nomi. James tries to persuade Nomi to take the part and sleep with him, but is rebuffed when Nomi declares that she is having her monthlies and invites him to check, which he does. Yeah. Later, Nomi finds that her part in the star-studded act has been given to Penny, a fellow Cheetah alumni, but Nomi is only going up, up, up. She is invited to audition for Goddess, presumably by Crystal's doing. Nomi arrives wearing her best Versace, but, in typical Nomi fashion, storms offstage when the producer wants her to ice up her nipples, as they are not as erect as he is. Despite her fragrant ice-tossing, Nomi's face-waving jazz hands lands her the role, and she immediately starts thrusting rehearsals.
1: Thrust that! Thrust that!
0: Nomi soon finds out how dangerous the world of topless reviews can be when she witnesses a fellow dancer unbedazzle her costume and drop bubbles on stage to ruin another dancer. Nomi, growing increasingly jealous and fame-hungry, files this away in her brain until such a time as she can try her own sabotage. Nomi seduces Zack, and the two engage in floppy titty pool sex. Those floppy breasts did the trick, though, as Zack secures Nomi in addition to be Crystal's understudy. When Nomi is passed over, she exacts her revenge by pushing Crystal down a flight of stairs. Zack gives Nomi the lead role, and before you know it, she is rising naked out of a poorly constructed volcano on stage, as the goddess she was always meant to be. Nomi invites Molly to an afterparty, where Molly's favorite singer and crush will be in attendance. This singer, however, is the exact opposite of a gentleman, and brutally gang rapes and beats Molly into a hospital stay. Furious, Nomi demands that Zack inform the authorities, but he informs her that Molly will be paid to stay quiet. Also that involving the cops wouldn't be in Nomi's best interest, since Nomi is actually a former hooker and criminal named Polly. Undeterred, Nomi visits the singer in his hotel room and kicks the ever-loving shit out of him with her thigh-high company-supplied hooker boots. She then pays two visits to the hospital, one to Molly and the other to Crystal. Crystal, having received a hefty payment from the Stardust, forgives Nomi for her stair push and the two share a disgustingly smacky kiss. Fed up with the topless world of Vegas, Nomi once again hitchhikes her way out of town, coincidentally with the same driver who earlier robbed her. She pulls her trusty switchblade on him, and the two drive towards Los Angeles, presumably living happily ever after in the critically acclaimed movie, Monster. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Oh, sorry. sorry. The
1: end. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Showgirls was released on September 22, 1995 on almost 1,400 screens. It earned $8 million opening weekend, securing the number two spot behind seven. Other films in the top ten that weekend included Tu Wong Fu, Dangerous Minds,
0: The Usual Suspects, and Babe. That'll do big. The film would continue to follow the box office reaching number 19 by just five weeks after its release. Due to the strict age requirements, poor critical response, and bad word of mouth, Showgirls would ultimately gross only $37 million against a budget of $45 million. The film would later find an audience on home video and eventually turn a profit, a
1: $100 million profit and one of MGM's most successful home video releases ever. An edited R-rated version was released to stores that wouldn't carry an NC-17 movie. This version runs three minutes shorter, still a hefty 128-minute runtime, and removes some of the nudity and trims moments of the more explicit scenes.
0: Showgirls has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 37%. The site's consensus reads, Vile, Contemptible, Garish, and Misogynistic. And that might just be exactly Showgirls' point metacritic assigned the film a 16 indicating overwhelming dislike audiences pulled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of c i think they were being generous passing yeah <laughs> <laughs> the film was a massive critical failure
1: gene siskel wrote is it sexy not when you're laughing richard corliss for times called it one of those delirious hilarious botches that could be taught in film schools as how not to the New Yorker described Berkeley's acting as a joy. If you can call it acting, she jumps up and down a lot to indicate excitement. Entertainment Weekly said Showgirls is a stripper that thinks it's a dancer. That's the story. I know.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they watched the movie. <laughs> Even its creators and cast had something to say about it after its release. In 1997, Joe Esterhaas said, Clearly, we made mistakes. Clearly, it was one of the biggest failures of our time. It failed commercially, critically, it failed on videotape, it failed internationally. In retrospect, part of it was that Paul and I were coming off of Basic Instinct, which defied the critics and was a huge success. Maybe there was a certain hubris involved. Quote, We can do what we want to do, go as far out there as we want to go unquote the rape scene was god awful mistake in retrospect a terrible mistake and musically it was imminently forgettable and in casting mistakes were made i think you made this comment a little too soon because it did have a huge uh home video yes market. it did and
1: i i feel like
0: the longer it was on home video the bigger it got right yeah.
1: so probably because all those 16 16 year olds could finally go and watch it somehow yeah.
0: the fappening the
1: fap the fappening <laughs> of 1996 or whatever the, <laughs> the it was. mass fapper strokes i Later, Kyle McLaughlin recalled his experience watching the film at the premiere. He said, quote, I was absolutely gobsmacked. I said, this is horrible, horrible. And it's a very slow sinking feeling when you're watching the movie and that first scene comes out and you're like, okay, that's a really bad scene. But you say to yourself, well, that's okay. The next one will be better. And you somehow try to convince yourself that it's going to be better. It just gets worse. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. I mean, I really didn't see that coming. So at the point, I distanced myself from the movie. Now, of course, it has a whole other life as a sort of inadvertent satire. No, satire isn't the right word. But it's in, it's but it's inadvertently funny. So it found its place. It provides entertainment, though not in a way I think it was originally intended. It was just maybe the wrong material with the wrong director and the wrong cast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the perfect storm. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the opposite of basic instinct. <laughs> yeah. But like with other critical flops, there's been a resurgence of new, more kind reviews, with critics and audiences embracing the film for its flaws and comedic value. Others have started to claim that Verhoeven Esterhaas had created a film that seriously satirizes the hunger for fame and the industries that feed on that hunger. Critics such as Jonathan Rosenbaum and Jim Hoberman, as well as filmmakers
1: Jim Jarmusch, Rosenbaum, sorry, <laughs> what did I say? Rosenbaum, 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 Critics such as Jonathan Rosenbaum and Jim Hoberman, as well as filmmakers Jim Jarmusch, Adam. McKay and Jacques Rivet have gone on record defending Showgirls as a serious satire. In a 1998 interview, Rivette called it one of the greatest American films of the last few years, though very unpleasant. It's about surviving in a world populated by assholes, and that's Verhoeven's philosophy.
0: I love that quote. <laughs> and of all the names to correct you on, I corrected you on Jonathan Rosenbaum instead of Jim Hoberman. It's Hoberman. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's Versace. <laughs> there are some accolades and legacy for this uh, for this particular film.
1: That's right. At the Golden Raspberries, it was nominated for Worst Actor. Kyle MacLachlan. Worst Supporting Actor, Robert Davey and Alan Ragan's Worst Supporting
0: Actress, Gina Gershon and Lynn Tucci. And Worst Prequel or Sequel. It won Worst Picture, Worst Director, and Worst Actress for Elizabeth Berkeley. Worst Screenplay, Worst Screen Couple, or any combination of characters or body parts. Worst New Star, Worst Original Song for Walk Into the Wind. I listened to Walk Into the Wind this morning while I was making some of these notes, and it's a really
1: terrible song. <laughs> so... In 1999, the Razzies would name it the worst film of the previous decade, along with nominating Elizabeth Berkley for Worst Actress of the Century. But that was awarded to Madonna.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Whatever.
0: I'd take a veto over Showgirls any day. Please, yes.
2: Avita. Did
1: you hear that? They called me a whore. It just kind of fits. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's new? <laughs> Topless review. <laughs> Stripper polls. <laughs> huh? In 2011, a sequel titled Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven, was written, produced, edited, and directed by Rena Rifle, who reprised her bit part as Penny from the first film. It has an 11% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes with no <laughs> critic score.
1: <laughs> I kind of need to see it now. <laughs> in 2013, an off-Broadway parody called Showgirls, the musical, was staged and quickly became one of the hottest tickets in town, moving up to larger theaters three times. The popular musical featured songs such as Fucking Underwater, The Horrier, Different Places, the Dead Hooker song, Dancing Ain't Fucking Girl, You're a Whore, Darling,
0: and Don't Lick That Pole, Girl. (laughs) And stay tuned for after the episode when we play Don't Lick That Pole, Girl.
2: That pole is very dirty.
0: You're going to want to hear it. (laughs) Uh, The film does have a cult status, right? So Showgirls has achieved cult status, obviously, over the years, according to writer Naomi Klein ironic enjoyment of the film initially arose among those with the video, before MGM capitalized on that idea. MGM noticed the video was performing well because trendy 20-somethings were throwing showgirls irony parties, laughing sardonically at the implausibly poor screenplay and shrieking with horror at the aerobic sexual encounters. (laughs) God, can we please throw an ironic showgirls party?
1: (laughs) And shriek with horror at the aerobic. We did that last night. I know, yeah, we were shrieking with horror with each other, but it'd be so much more enjoyable if there are other people shrieking with us, <laughs> except for that one person invariably able to be like, oh
0: my god, that was hot. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the production a little bit because there, there's a little bit of story history here. Okay. All right. So, Estro Haas came up with the idea for Showgirls while on vacation at his home in Maui, bougie, douche, yeah at the at the Basic Instinct Ocean Ocean View Beach House. <laughs> right. Um, during lunch in Beverly Hills, Verhoeven told Esther Haas that he had always loved big MGM musicals and wanted to make one. Esther Haas suggested the setting of Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Of course, this is not what I would consider a musical. No, but it's kind of staged like one a little bit. It's production is just as big as one I'd say. Yeah.
1: I mean, just the way that the film was kind of laid out. And with, I mean, it does have like some dancing set pieces. You know, This
0: this film must have been incredibly complex to make with all of the stage work. I mean, they have like three of the same number, at least in the movie, with and without audiences. And then with all the pyrotechnics and all of the choreography and all the dancers and everything happening. You know, I I was wondering how this film was kind of constructed watching it. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, you know, they had the scenes uh, of the show and then just a quick costume changes or something. Not quick, because these were 19 hour days or 14, 16 hour days of of dancing naked, you know, and, and kind of filmed everything kind of out of order so that, you know, in this one, Gene is the star and this one, you know, so they could just like not have to come back to the same number. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. I would assume that's how they did it. I mean, that's, that would be the best
0: way if they didn't do it that way. Then that may be why this movie probably sucks. Yeah. So based on the idea he scribbled onto a napkin, Esther Haas was advanced $2 million to write the script and picked up an additional $1.7 million when the studio produced it into a film. This, along with the scripts for both Verhoeven's previous film, Basic Instinct, obviously, and Sliver, check that out on Patreon, made Esther Haas the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood history. Re- Verhoven deferred seventy percent of his six million director's fee, depending on if the film turned a profit. Oh, poor Verhoeven! Mm. I guess it eventually did, based on a fucking napkin. That's a really expensive napkin. Oh, three million dollars. And I feel like I'm in the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> He said, I wrote Showgirls at the single most turbulent moment in my life, said Esther Haas in his beach fucking house. Mm. The stuff I've done since then has been more warm and more humor and is more upbeat. I don't know what he's done I don't know what he's done since.
1: (laughs) Somehow, when Esther Haas uses words like warmth and humor and
0: upbeat, I'm like, are you sure you're describing yourself in your work? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Esther Haas and Verhoeven interviewed over 200 Las Vegas strippers and incorporated parts of their stories, not as auditions, but to get their stories into the screenplay to show the amount of exploitation of strippers in Vegas. Esther Haas took out a full-page advertisement in Variety in which he dubbed the film a morality tale and denounced the advertising of the film as misguided. Also writing... The movie shows that dancers in Vegas were often victimized, humiliated, used verbally and physically raped by men who are the power centers of the world. So they wanted to market it as more of a thriller. But the studios marketed it as more of like a, a scandalous, you know, you know, peeping Tom movie or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it's a thriller, though. You know, I mean, drop like, your inhibitions
1: at the door. Yeah, the tag, you know, stupid tagline. Yeah. Like, really? I, I don't know. But he's right. I mean, like, I love Vegas. I think it's a great city. I go there all the time. But. Uh, it's clear that women are completely objectified there, yeah. daily, nightly, by just countless amounts of tourists. You know what I mean? I have no, I can't imagine like what they go through.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's talk about some of the casting here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I can't really imagine other people in these roles, no, because they're just so perfectly bad. But um, a long list of actresses were considered for the role of Nomi Malone, including Pamela Anderson, okay, Drew Barrymore. Angelina Jolie, Vanessa Marcel, Ginny McCarthy, and Denise Richards, but they all turned it down before Elizabeth Berkeley, following the cancellation of Saved by the Bell, signed on to play the role in hopes that it would, you know, change her image and right. kick off her Hollywood career. Charlize Theron also interest, uh, auditioned and actually wanted the role. Despite the nudity, thinking she had to kind of pay her dues to get in the door, seeing how Verhoeven had just discovered Sharon Stone, essentially, right, right? and wanted kind of the same thing for herself, but she was considered too unknown at the time to uh, at the time to hire. And Verhoeven has since said that she her audition was excellent. So you know, dodge that bullet for sure. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? I, her career would have been completely different.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: or there may not have been a career. Or
1: the movie may have been completely different. I really like Shirley Theron. I
0: don't know. So. Yeah. Because uh, some things about Elizabeth Berkley's uh, performance are coming up. Good. You know, I mean, because I have some things to say fault. about it. Yeah. So Madonna, Sharon Stone, Sean Young, Daryl Hannah, and Vanilla Hughes, who allegedly turned down the script because she thought it was sexist, were considered for the part of Crystal Connors before Gina Gershon finally became available.
1: I mean, I can kind of see those women playing this role. Not Vanilla Hughes,
0: but the rest of them. Hmm. Maybe
1: not Daryl Hannah either. Okay, maybe just Madonna.
0: (laughs) I could see Sean Young.
1: Yes, she's crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's crazy. (laughs) Kyle McLaughlin says that Dylan McDermott was the first choice for the character of Zach Carey, but he declined and McLaughlin was then cast. McLaughlin recalled, that was a decision that was sort of a tough one to make, but I was enchanted with Paul Verhoeven, particularly Robocop, which I loved. It was Verhoeven and Esther Haas, and it seemed like it was going to be kind of a dark and edgy and disturbing and real. Hmm, you were kind of wrong. Well, based on everything he had seen, I mean, everyone didn't expect Girls to be what it was. You know? No. I mean, I feel like coming off of basic instincts. Did that writing and directing team, you know? Yeah. Everyone felt like this was going to be an excellent
1: movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like marketed as a fucking gimmick or whatever. Yeah. So Dylan McDermott, though, I think mm, I can totally see that in this movie. Yeah, sure. I, I feel not? like
0: it would have been good. I yeah. like him better than Kyle McGregor. So. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the controversies in this movie. Ah, uh, because they were Legion. Oh, they're Legion, but there's like two in particular, right? Like the fallout kind of around Elizabeth Berthley, but also that rape scene, Ugh. right? So Gina Rivera, who played that character, said the rape scene was traumatic. She was quoted to say, When you do a scene like that, your body doesn't know it's not real. And she said that it took over nine excruciating hours to film it. Jesus Christ. Which I'm like, there's no excuse for that. There really is There's no excuse for nine hours of that. No. I mean,
1: those scenes are hard enough to do. I mean, we're we're just coming off a basic instinct where we had a lengthy discussion about that rape scene, right? And depending on which version of that movie you've seen, it's more horrific or less, right? But this particular rape scene in this movie is uncomfortable and like really kind of stomach churning and real. Right. And I just don't care for it.
0: Paul Verhoeven later said of the rape scene, nearly every character in this movie is a bad person except for one girl, Molly. And she's the one who gets raped. Molly is the only really genuinely supportive person, and she is punished for it. The reason I did this was to show that Vegas is not a nice place, and that is basically what the movie is all about. It's possible Showgirls was lacking in closure. Even some of my closest collaborators felt that way and have said that they thought the rape scene took the fun out of the movie. It's kind of a
1: like an about-face really. I mean, like I, I almost completely forgot that it was in the movie until she shows up at that party.
0: Yeah. It's meant to be a catalyst, right. Uh, For her to kind of get real right. and say it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And I almost think, you know, in hindsight, which is always, you know, better than when you're trying to do something, you know, I, I think it might've been better if there was maybe an attempted rape on Elizabeth Berkeley's character by that yeah. guy, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if it was her crush, you know, Um and then, you know, came back and t- and took her revenge for the attempted, you know, and I feel like that would have been the same effect. I
1: do. I mean, I, I would agree with you. I've, and I feel like that would be a, a major catalyst for Nomi's character,
0: right, to leave the city and just go off and do something else. Also, I would have loved it if they had kind of just like if she had not been in the hospital, like if that had been the case, then, uh, you know, Gina Rivera's Molly character would have been. Available for them to kind of Thelma and Louise it out of Vegas together, which, is also which would have been idea. a better ending.
1: Yeah. I do like, though, because it kind of redeems Nomi a little bit. Shitty bookend. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Kind of ridiculous. It does redeem Nomi's character a little bit, though, that she's willing to go and, like, find this revenge for her friend, who she repeatedly treated like shit throughout the movie, despite Molly always being there for her at every turn, Yep, you know? And I, I, I think that does good things for that character. And it, it really
0: does like sort of speed the ending up a little bit, which is welcome at that point. It's a long movie. Yeah. I think rape is an important human story to tell, but uh, you know, it, it can be a little bit exploitive in, in some circumstances, you know, and Verhoeven is exploitive in all of his films it's True, for many, many different subjects, not just this, you know, but you know, maybe we should say, Hey, Verhoeven, like maybe stay away from that since you're already exploitive, like stop it. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, just tone it down just yeah. a little bit. Right. Maybe just hint at it. Yeah. So I guess we should talk about the fallout for Elizabeth Berkeley's career. <laughs> yeah. She was, yeah, she was dropped by her agent and no new agents would call her. She was on, she was a joke for many, many years in some ways still is and suffered the fate many falsely ascribed to Sharon Stone. It's true. I feel like it's worse than Sharon Stone. Though. Way worse. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the reasons the film is reviled is because of Elizabeth Berkeley's. O- over the top acting style, right? And Berkeley, who before this was obviously best known for her overachieving goody goody Jesse Spano in the classic Saved by the Bell show, uh, certainly went for it with gusto and abandon that you rarely see in a major motion picture right? <laughs> I mean, mostly that's kind of her stage right? Yeah. And as a result she was roundly torn apart by the critics. But it turns out this was actually director Paul Verhoeven's fault. He admitted in an interview in 2015 that her acting style was his idea and not Berkeley's. He said, quote, people have of course criticized her for being over the top in her performance. I mean, while I was watching the movie, I was ca- kept calling her Muppety, right? Yeah. She was like a like fucking Muppet. <laughs> she was a, a full on Muppet. Yeah. Uh, and most of that that comes from me. I pushed it in that direction. Good or not good. I was the one who asked her to exaggerate everything, every move, because that was the element of style that I thought would work for the movie. He admitted it was the wrong choice and her career never really recovered because of it.
1: Yeah. I remember all of this, right? I mean, so like when this movie came out, I was not old enough to go see it in the theater. I was one year shy of being able to see it. I was a couple years shy (laughs) and I really wanted to. And then, you know, some friends who had seen her people that I knew had saw it said that it was awful and just talked about how terrible her performance was. Right. And I think we were all very curious because I mean, like we're the saved by the bell generation, you know, we all watched that. And we kind of wanted to see what she was doing in this
0: movie, right? Yeah, because it was such a huge... That was just as talked about as much as Verhoeven or Esther You know, that was kind of film circles. But in the pop culture circles, we were talking about Saved by the Bell. Right, exactly. You it's know, and, and, and like the huge contrast between her going from this goody-goody image, you know, over here into a Paul Verhoeven, you know, naked all the time movie. You know, and honestly, if I watch this movie with more than just a surface level or passing glance she's very good as far as the energy that she brings and all of the choreography and many scenes, she has to do a lot of things at once. Right. And if that was Paul Verhoeven's direction, she did an excellent job. Yeah. She did her job. Right. And exactly to, you know, how it was, you know, prescribed to her uh, and dictated to her, you know? And so in a, in a way she's a victim of more than one waste to Verhoeven, if not, you know, the critics, obviously more so. But you know, if you look at all of her her dancing and all the energy she has, just really sharp, quick movements, exacting. You know, um, there's a lot for her to do in this, and she's she's doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yes, her acting is like a fucking muppet. But now that I'm reading all of this stuff, you know, it's making a lot more sense. That is like, how why is there's this huge disconnect for her physicality acting and her like vocal acting? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do, and I, and I don't, I don't
1: disagree with you. I think that she does a decent job in this movie. Yeah. Parts of it are super Muppety. Right. And knowing that Verhoeven sort of like pushed her to be a little bit more over the top explains a lot, but you're right. She does a lot of things. The dancing while seemingly like easy to do, it doesn't seem that complicated. It is when you have to do it in unison with people and be perfect each time on each take, not to mention like being naked in a movie for almost the entirety of it is, is a big fucking deal for an actress. Yep. Right. And they don't deserve to be like completely shat on. You have to at least like, look at that and say like, it took some fucking guts, You to go and do this movie, and I and people try to change their like perceptions of themselves in Hollywood all the time by picking roles that are against type, right? And this maybe kind of backfired for her. I don't think that it backfired for her solely because of her performance. I think it's mostly just not a very good movie. (laughs) So (laughs) there's that, and it's way over long. It is. I mean, like 133 minutes or something like that. Like, it was over two hours. Yeah. That's ridiculous for this movie. Yeah. There, there's, there was no need to have some of the scenes that they had in there. They try to wrap up each individual character at some point in the movie mm-hmm. and give Nomi some closure on the relationships that she had. And some of these characters, you know, we didn't get to know that
0: well or really care about, but they're still wrapped up, yeah. you know, at length. Well, should we talk about some influences? No, we've talked about the film. A <laughs> bit. Uh, I feel like this is uh there's some there is some uh Sunset Boulevard going on with this character. There's there's really some all about Eve, really. Really. Definitely. It's, it's definitely like a heightened Muppety version of All About Eve in a way. Except that the our main hero, our perspective, is not the older actress, right? It's the God. younger. Um I'm also seeing like a star is born a little bit in here. I'm seeing Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. For sure. And Eileen Wernos. So I'm seeing some some of that going on yeah and eileen warnos was in the news a lot of the time
1: right yeah. so i'm sure that a lot of that was depicted in there but yeah i can see all these influences in this movie um and i i don't know i mean i i all about eve for sure right i think this movie is essentially all about eve just told in a reverse like you just said so i don't and black swan <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think it definitely like <laughs> probably influenced black swan a little bit maybe incidentally i'm not sure
1: maybe i mean Aaron there's Oste. definitely
0: that owner rider
1: you know thing going on that's right aging starlet and an ingenue which is like did you suck his
0: cock or whatever <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: this movie is totally influenced by lots of other things. And I can, fe- I can see how this movie also influenced things moving forward. I mean, obviously, like we talked about, people enjoy this movie today for whatever reason. Either they're laughing at it on purpose, or they're trying to glean
0: some sort of, like, knowledge from it, right? Well, there's real comedy in it, too, that are yes. laughing at. You know, the whole... Tits popping out thing, you know the whole stuff. Oh God! Yeah, basically everything that was going on at the 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 Foxy Trot or whatever the fuck that <laughs> the was called, the Cheetah. The Cheetah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to go to that cabaret if something exists like that in Vegas where they have strippers, which I probably wouldn't pay attention to, but some random like fat lady comes out and tells jokes and makes her tits pop out of her dress. Well, that's I mean, interesting
0: yeah. because it was really, it really felt like it was supposed to be a drag queen. Yes. Right. But this is like a, a female drag queen, mm-hmm. which there is such a thing. Yeah. You know, but it was interesting because I felt like um, I felt like do you think it was like replaced? Like the, that was that would have been too risque at that moment. No, because I felt like two Wong Fu kind of came out around yeah, the same time. Too, it was right? in the top 10 that same weekend. Right? So, OK. I don't so, know. yeah, I mean, like. I feel like a drag queen,
1: if they were to make this movie today, I feel like that character would definitely be a drag queen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I think I would like a lot better, but I do like that character.
0: Although, I feel like drag queens are kind of thin on the ground in gentlemen's bars and clubs, you know what I mean? <laughs> Straight ones. Yeah. <laughs> Which I Which mean, this was. Gay gentlemen's bars, though. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe we should nice remake place. this movie with naked men. Yeah, we can do it like show guys and it's be like about <laughs> Chippendales in Vegas or something.
1: Oh my God. <laughs>
0: Let's make it happen, shall we? Can you imagine how fun it's going to be to cast that movie? He bought
1: me a Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> he bought me a Hermes, but gave me the herpes. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's you're... called Herpes.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Some of you have never called it Herpes in its shows. <laughs> oh my God, that was good. We're <laughs> writing this movie already. Uh, but you're right. I mean, like, there are some intentionally funny moments in this movie, but I, I kind of feel like most of it was not intentional. People keep calling it a satire. I don't really necessarily see that. I think they were just going for straightforward erotic drama. And some of the things that they made, it sort of turned out to be funny. I mean, the lines are ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think they were intentionally so, a lot of it. I mean, he's come out. Estrada has come out and said, yes. This line, don't you miss, like, getting cummed on is supposed to be funny. Like, could you imagine a world where it's not? And I would argue that knowing Verhoeven and his other films, he likes message movies. He really does. And this is about, you know, the the sex industry and and taking and, you know, the sexism and the taking advantage of women and stuff like that. And it's, I think, very intentionally, uh, you know, satirical a little bit. We're not even satirical. It's just on the fucking nose. Right. Yeah, I mean, I can see it's that. It's kind of a Me Too movie. You know what I mean? Now, you know, but yeah, I don't, I don't know.
1: I mean, I feel like I laugh at it for the wrong reasons whenever I watch this movie. And I haven't seen this movie before you and I watched it together last night and well more than like 15 years, maybe more than that. You know, I watched it a lot when it first came out. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I I wasn't interested in breasts really, but I kind of just liked this movie when I was, you know, a teenager.
0: I guess I was younger and then I probably saw it again and went somewhere in my twenties or something and then this is it. I mean I definitely watch owned it once per decade. Teens, I definitely owned the,
1: the VHS of this movie
0: and I watched it frequently. Wow.
1: So All but, right. with your brother? Or <laughs> yeah, borrowed well, it from your brother? He he did watch it with me quite a bit. Maybe that's why he was constantly like leaving to excuse himself. I have no idea, <laughs> but I mean like I never found this movie to be titillating in any sense, you know what I mean? And I'm not quite sure that that was what they were going for anyway, especially if we're going to talk about it, you know, satirizing the sex industry or whatnot. I don't think it's supposed to be titillating. That fucking pool sex scene certainly is not. <laughs>
0: Trust <So>. it. <laughs> Trust <Well>. that. Trust <laughs> that. <laughs> well, I've got some fun facts for you. Oh, my God. I'm super excited. All right. The rights to show the film on television were eventually purchased by VH1. <laughs> And because of the film's frequent nudity though, a censored version was created with black bras and panties digitally rendered to hide all of the exposed breasts and genitalia. Also, several scenes were removed entirely, shortening the movie by at least 45 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, V.H. I kind of want to see that cut. I do. We're
1: doing the Lord's work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Berkeley refused to redub her lines because MGM refused to pay her fee of only $250. <laughs> So a noticeably different actress's voice can be heard on the soundtrack for that shortened version of the film. <laughs> so sad for Elizabeth Berkley. I feel so bad for her. They wouldn't, her agent fired her. She could not get a call from any agents and they would not return her calls. And they wouldn't pay her $250 to dub this. <laughs> Even though they went to the trouble to digitally place bras and panties across the entire movie. <laughs> they wouldn't pay her $250? Oh.
1: How much did you get when you were dubbing work? 50, sometimes 100. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, next up, Paul Verhoeven actually didn't want to direct Showgirls at first because he didn't like Esterhaar's original script. He wanted to make a film about um, with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, instead called Crusade, of which actually there's quite a few, I don't know if there's an actual documentary, but there's a few mini documentaries about it like floating around on YouTube. And it was kind of a cool project, kind of like what you'd think like The Northman would be, but mm-hmm. more of, you know, uh the crusades right huh. telling the story of the crusades and i thought that would have been really really cool you know considering you know that's a that's also a cool team up with um verhoven and, and schwarzenegger generally speaking but mgm passed on it because they couldn't afford to make it in addition to cutthroat island so they did <laughs> cutthroat instead due to this film and that one Carolco pictures went under and you will not see their You will not see see their brand in front of a movie since Showgirls (laughs) and Cutthroat (laughs) Island.
1: They went for Cutthroat Island.
0: Destroyed. (laughs) What a shame. They went for Cutthroat Island instead of a Paul Verhoeven crusade movie. That is the very definition of the wrong choice. I want them to go back and do that. It's not too late. Damn it. With Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. You Mm. could play uh, the king or something. I don't fucking know. He could be like God in heaven.
1: (laughs) Watching the right. Crusades.
0: So, when the film swept the 16th annual Razzie Awards, Paul Verhoeven turned up in person to accept Worst Director and Worst Picture. He was the first director to ever turn up to collect the award. I mean, be proud of your movie yeah. in any way. He did it very cheekily, so yeah. it was nice. Elizabeth Berkeley once said of the film, Ever since those reviews of Showgirls, it, it's like I was that woman in the Scarlet Letter. Except that instead of having to wear the letter A for adulteress, I was condemned to wear the letter S for showgirl. Coincidence or not, but Berkeley won the Razzie Award for <laughs> worst actress, running up against Demi Moore, who actually played the role described by Berkeley in the Scarlet Letter from 1995.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I remembered that to be more movie. <laughs> That's a terrible version of that book.
0: It's a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it a couple times. Super campy by the end of it. Yes just <laughs> huh? like intentionally camp by the end of it i think there's like a, a hooker with a fucking rocket launcher or something like it's crazy <laughs> jesus it Christ. just goes off the fucking rails because it starts off as kind of like a draw. anyway whatever <laughs> next up when Nomi goes to audition for Goddess, the director says she looks like Pollyanna. <laughs> Near the end of the film, her real name is revealed by Zach to be Polly Ann, <laughs> mm-hmm. revealing why Nomi looks so startled when called Pollyanna. I didn't catch that. I knew it was Polly, but I didn't connect those two scenes together. On my second viewing of Showgirls, right, I was just like, oh, because he's like
1: Pollyanna. And she's like, what, 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 what'd you say? Right? And so, like, Clearly. what'd you call me? What
2: <laughs> <laughs> the fuck you say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, no, I've, I've caught that. Because a, a name like Pollyanna and Pollyann, like, it kind of stand out, you know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to—it makes her sound like the most innocent of women, you yeah. know what I mean? It's that kind of name, but— No, Pollyann is choice. a whore's name. <laughs> we apologize to anybody named Pollyann listening to this They episode. don't exist. And <laughs> if, if they do, they're whores.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last up, allegedly— the only time actresses complained that they felt uncomfortable during the entire filming of this movie was during the scenes with the monkeys who constantly stared at their bare breasts (laughs) I mean that's the closest animal to man It's the happiest she looked in the whole movie. I
1: caught one. (laughs) I got a monkey.
0: Or when she was licking that pole.
1: (laughs) Don't lick that pole, girl. Girl, don't lick that pole. (laughs) But that's all I got. Those for fun in a fun movie to watch. So... I would expect nothing less, but we have some questions to ask about Showgirls like we do about every movie that we deep dive into on the film Flamers, and let's just go ahead and start with, is Showgirls a horror movie?
0: No. Not for the reasons that this podcast normally assigns to horror. <laughs> no, and halfway through, I was like, we really should have done Total Recall for a triple Sharon Stoner this this month, and I don't know. And we should have relegated Showgirls to some other... I mean, so, first of uh, all, listeners, this isn't available to
1: watch in any sort of streaming capacity except for Pluto or Tubi with commercials.
0: Yes, yes, emphatically yes. And so we had to sit through all these fucking commercials, and it was a nightmare. But- it took us about three hours to watch Showgirls last night. I felt like a fucking rube. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I mean, that is to say that we've been looking forward to rewatching this movie and talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But during that rewatch, I was just like, God, I mean like this movie is, is bad. Right. And like, we're, we're having a good time watching it sort of, and like making fun of it. But I was just like, no, I mean like, this doesn't seem like a movie that sort of fits our podcast, you know, but still it's a fun watch. So, yeah. Uh, Were you scared while watching Showgirls? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) terrified. (laughs) At every turn.
0: Yes. Uh, (laughs) Out of five stars, what would you rate Showgirls? Actually higher than you'd think. Uh, or higher than many listeners would probably think. I give it a 3 star because Miles, it's it's not good, but it's enjoyable.
1: It is. 3 stars for me as well. It's it's a fun it's a fun ride. You know, I've seen it enough times that I remember some of the dialogue and it's I mean it's just fun. With that one fucking rape scene again, like like bringing things down a mm. lot. So, if they didn't have that, I maybe would rate it higher, but it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Sure. Finally, Who's the hottest guy in Showgirls?
0: (laughs) I guess it has to be Kyle McLaughlin. Or the singer at the end. He was kind of a daddy a little bit. Uh, the rapist? The, 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 oh God. No, he was directing the rape. <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> uh, the one that got high heels through his eyeballs, I, 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 I'm i assuming. Really? Like, why not show his body? Fuck. For real. I would have loved to see all the little, like, heel prints in him uh-huh. after what he did. Because
1: she whooped his fucking ass with that boot. But he was pretty hot. He was. To me, the hottest guy is Glenn Plummer, the guy who played James, the bouncer who was teaching her to dance, right? Oh, Yeah. He's really fucking sexy to me. Oh, my God. I got towels. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's got a super tight body. You know what I mean? Like, he dances. He just looks sexy to me. That's definitely my choice for sure. Well, I think that just about wraps up our conversation on Showgirls. As always, we want to know what you think about this movie and our conversation. So go find us on social media at The
0: Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at TiredQueens at FilmFlamers.com or... Call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Hot girls in Vegas are waiting for you to pop their titties. I really want to know what it feels like to have someone come on me again.
2: So, so call our hotline. Jesus. Intella. <laughs>
1: That's it for all the content here this month on the main feed, but head over to patreon.com thefilmflamers the for our bonus episode this month. We got more Sharon Stone and more Joe Esterhaus because we're
0: talking Sliver. And next month on Patreon, we probably will do some sort of Verhoeven poll. That's right. Don't lick that poll. Just take it.
1: <laughs> He's right, because in July we got more Verhoeven coming for you. We're talking RoboCop and Starship Troopers message movies abound and more titties yeah Hmm. well chris i think it's time for me to go off and try to find someone to give a lap dance to like an old whore (laughs) that's what's on my business card (laughs) well me too yeah (laughs) so let's go off and have some sweet dreams My sweet dreams include Versace, always.
0: And Hermes.
1: Hermes. (laughs) Where's Spago? It's just
0: down from (laughs) Versace. And also, this is Don't Look That Pole.
2: (laughs) I see you're being real.